Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. All right, kids, strap it in. This is going to be another fun episode. So I've recently been introduced to Sammy. And let me tell you, when her and I have some conversation, two things happen. We say fuck than we're more supposed to. We laugh our asses off and we just have a really good time. And, and there's a lot of similarities in our businesses and the things we're doing, um, slowly taking over the world. So I'm just excited about all things Sammy. So... good to be here Ow. i love that we can just talk from wherever we are in the world it's amazing yeah yeah so do let's start there i want to hear your story but where are you at right now i am about an hour and a half outside of london living full-time on a boat my husband and i travel full-time and we have found a lovely place that we're mooring for a little bit but um we are this is our little <laughs> Round builders boat <laughs> that's so awesome and <laughs> um, so yeah we um we just you know adventure is one of my highest values and i think because when i built my first five companies i pretty much gave my entire life to it and i feel like i lost my life to those businesses because i had no fucking idea how to run a business i just knew that anything i touched it grew and i had fun doing it and so i got carried away we're doing all the fun stuff and forgot i needed to run it as a business that's a key <laughs> thing it's like business what and so um i burned out pretty bad and so my map of the business world then growing these bricks and mortar companies and having to be there and you know can't go on holiday because your phone's constantly ringing it's like oh gosh and I almost had a heart attack was the end result of that. And, as a, and because of doing that, I think when I kind of walked away from my multi-million pound design and branding agency, I walked away, I moved over to France, I sold my business for a pound. I just wanted to buy my freedom, get away and breathe, <laughs> just to breathe. And my little creative soul started to spark again. It was like, hey, Sammy, I was in here all along. Hi. <laughs> it's like, holy fuck-a-doodles. I have found what I want to do. And it's got freedom. It's got adventure. And it has the word fuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> so Sammy's just introduced me to this word fuck-a-doodles. And it's become oh, yeah. my new favorite thing. But she told me, you know, you got to put holy in front of it. So it's got to yeah. be the whole on holy, holy fuckadoodles. Fuck doodles. <laughs> Although you could say fuckadoodle-do. If it really surprises you or you think, wow. Instead of wow, just replace the wow vocabulary with fuckadoodle-do. I swear, you can't say it without putting a smile on your face. Right. Well, you know, I, truthfully, I think fuck is one of the most versatile words in, 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 in 
all languages because you know you see uh, uh, somebody that you're interested in, you're like fuck you know, you're, you, you know, you're pissed off. Holy like, fuck, fuck right? <laughs> right? Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So five businesses. Was one just not enough? I mean, you were like, <laughs> you know, I never want to see my family. I never want a vacation. I never want to do anything again. So let me just start a whole bunch of fucking businesses so I don't see sunlight. I grew everything completely by accident. I had no vision for where I was going. I was just having so much fun doing what I was doing. And because it was all in the branding and business growth industries. So I started with my branding. I started out as a graphic designer and then realized that I was surrounded by incompetence and I actually hated graphic design. I, I was more interested in the psychology of why the design worked and how can you create a non-verbal level of communication that can get one person to have a connection with something just through the power of that brand? So I just self-taught. I went on course after course after course and training. I got my um, qualifications in NLP and compelling language, buyer's behavior, color psychology. And I really went down that route. And and so I really became, <laughs> I got branded, Donnie. They branded <laughs> me tactile branding expert. I was like, what does that even mean? But they said, if you, want, if you want a tactile brand, something that people can really engage with without you even opening your mouth, you go to Sammy. And so I built this whole agency on creating brands that smell, brands that entice you into it. And I mean, it was just so much fun. And, and because of that, then like with you and I, we've really hit it off. And it's like, wow, there's so much we can do. And that's basically what happened. I had people that came to me and said, um, Sammy, you know, you're passing me loads of SEO work. Really, we should be building that business together. And I thought, you know, I'm planning to maybe sell my business. So it would be crazy for you to come into my business. I'm not quite sure that's the right opportunity, but I'll create a sister company with you. So that's what I did. So we set up an SEO company and then I had a social media company that I was referring shit tons of work to. And they said, Sammy, we should be going into business together. Okay. I don't want you in my business, but we'll set up a satellite company. So I ended up setting up these other businesses. And then you'll like this, Donnie, I think. I started going to, well, I'd already been going to BNI and I started getting to the point where it was like, this is just crazy. I'm spending fucking hours <laughs> on the road, having breakfasts, going here, there and everywhere. I became an assistant director for BNI. So I was growing and building chapters of BNI all over the North of England. And it, I, I was loving it. I was thriving. It was like, I'd found, I'd found this part of myself that, that was, so connected to connecting people and I actually found it more fun to be connecting people mm -hmm. than I did actually doing stuff and so I ended up just really growing things and in the end I said to my business partner this is this is just crazy because we're spending so much time on B&I why don't we just take a, a look at who are the 50 people that we are passing the most business to and they're passing business to us as a natural unique synergy between who they're targeting and who we're targeting because it makes sense that why are we trying to both do that together when actually there might be 50 of us who are all working towards the same goal but we each have something that can make an impact and, and grow in some way so then we could start going for bigger contracts because mm -hmm. now we were less risk to 
bigger organizations and councils and blue chip companies because we weren't just one company then we were unique synergy so i started <laughs> i just i invited 50 of my best contacts to a posh hotel in the north of england in leeds and it was it was in um, april 2007 i remember and i just said to them look if i've got a unique synergy with you then it, you must have a unique synergy with each other and that's how Unique Synergy was born. Mm. And within a year, that became a business development company. And we were delivering training and mentoring and all kinds of stuff. We capped it at 50. So there was a huge waiting list of people to come in. And uh, nobody wanted to leave because they knew when they left, that that was it. They weren't getting back in. And what I didn't realize was I'd created my first membership product at a thousand pounds per member per year. And I didn't even know that I'd created a membership. I mean, that's how crazy. What year was this? That was 2007 and I sold that business in 2011 to somebody who actually had time to grow it because it was just, it was crazy. It was growing so fast. And I only developed that to drive business into my design agency. So now all of a sudden I've got this freaking beast that is ready to franchise and I have no idea. And I started doing franchising training. I'm thinking that is not the life that I want. I don't want to be building that kind of business. And I mean, it was fascinating learning how to do that. But I think what we've got to do in our is what's in our heart is look at it and go, yeah, do you know what? That looks brilliant, but I could get carried away. And that is going to take me on a life path that I don't really want. And I, and I was doing all this completely unconsciously at the time. But yeah, I ended up with five businesses that I was building all at the same time. And I That's don't know crazy. how I fucking did it now. <laughs> I no idea. It was just kind of ask a busy person, right? I was just loading things on. It was just a little thing and another little thing and another little thing. Um, you know, I ended up with a team of 13 running these five companies. And I mean, it was pretty amazing. I had a bloody amazing house and the card, all my I made it moments with all that material bullshit. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't have anything in here. And I didn't yeah. have a family. I didn't have time. I was like desperate to you know, fall in love and have all those things that it's worth leaving fucking work for. But <laughs> I didn't have those things. And therefore so, I just kept working until I dropped. Not why? Because, because this is fascinating because a lot of us that made the leap to finally say, fuck it, we're going to do our own thing. Really, you know, get out and say it. a lot of it's because we got to that point, right? Yeah. We, we got to that point where the lifestyle we were living and the things we were doing, finally caught up with our minds enough to go, dude, what the fuck are you thinking? You know, why do we do that? Why do we push ourselves so hard through fucking life that it takes some sort of pivotal moment? I mean, me was what my business partner said to me, which, you know, got my light bulb to fucking go off. Um, you know, what, well, one, was there a pivotal moment for you where you're like, yeah. fuck it, I got to move. And then two, why do we push ourselves so far to have to get to that pivotal moment? Um, I think let's answer the second question first, because, and I think maybe you have experienced this as well, Donnie, and certainly those of you that are listening in right now, I, there's this thing that happens when you, when you start to get that taste of success Mm. and you're surrounding yourself with others who are high achievers, it's very easy to get caught up in that pissing contest basically who can piss the furthest and who's yeah. got the biggest business it's, and it's who's really got all of the, the glass fronted yeah. company offices and 
who's got how many staff and who's got, you know, and it just, I got swept up completely into this materialistic life where, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm actually quite ashamed of that life now, you know, it's because it was so far removed, which is probably why I was so ill. And it was making me really, really ill. You know, I was getting chest pains and headaches and I don't suffer from that kind of kind of thing usually. And so I had very expensive business coaches who were awesome. I was absolutely crushing all of my sales targets, you know, and because I'm a high achiever, it was like, give me that. Okay. Tell me I can't do it. Brilliant. Let's go. (laughs) So, you know, it was that for me, it was just kind of a very unfulfilling, unrewarding existence. But I think it's easy if you're surrounded by people who are like that to get swept up in it and become like that and not feel happy or fulfilled, but you're not thinking of those things. Right. And so my precipice moment came when uh, we were going through a process of selling the agency. So we, uh, we bought out business partners. We brought them together as one business. We started redeveloping the company And for two years, we were going through the process of interviewing new people who wanted to acquire our company. And that was incredibly stressful because there were people that we were being introduced to who were all about the money and they didn't care about the people. And that was so stressful for me because I break every rule (laughs) where it comes to business because I think business is personal. I want to be fucking friends with the people. I will not do business with somebody that I wouldn't invite for a whiskey on my boat. Well, I, I think there's something to that though. I mean, because, because I think your successful over the achievers are an HR's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, one, we're not rule followers anyways. Right. You know, um, uh, my, it drives my wife bonkers because, you know, for me, rules are just suggested guidelines, you know, <laughs> and and if you put a rule book in front of me, I'm going to find every way to skirt the fuck out of it because <laughs> don't put me in a fucking box. Right. So I'm, I, I'm fascinated. And I want people to hear that just because if you're friends with your employees, it's fucking OK. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, me and my staff, we regularly greet each other on a Zoom call, giving each other the bird. I mean, that's that's hello. <laughs> that does not surprise me. <laughs> you know, you know how the Zoom camera's up and you're like working on a yeah. different screen. All of a sudden, the hand will come up, and it's just like hello. As we're shooting each other birds. I mean, but that's the culture I want. I want to have fun. I want. And that's to, so important. You know, the culture is so important, and if people are. Like I, I fall in love with my clients. I love what I do and I do what I love and I love who I work with. And that is non-negotiable. If it ain't fun, I won't do it. And I think that's why things that I'm surrounded by and involved in just grow because there's something universal energetically that happens when you go into everything with that energy, but you can only go into something with that energy for so long at that high intensity without actually taking a break. And I wasn't taking a break and my business partner wasn't taking a break. And the companies we were meeting, they didn't share the same values as us. And I knew that we could walk away with our 7.8 million pounds, which would be about $10 million, something like that. I knew we could walk away with that. Lovely. But you know what? I wouldn't fucking sleep at night because every single one of those clients were my friends. And A, they would abandon shit because they, the, values just weren't the same so they wouldn't have been treated the way that we used to treat our customers 
but also from that ethical point of view, selling something that people think they've got all these customers and then the customers go and they've actually, what have they actually bought? So I wasn't, it was really stressing me out that this whole, Oh, how do I let go to grow? Cause that's not where I want to be, but how do yeah. I get what I want and everyone be happy and, you know, get to walk away with, my integrity intact. And so it was really stressing me out. And it was the same for my business partner. And ultimately I walked into the office one day and the left-hand side of his body had completely collapsed Oh shit! and he, he couldn't breathe properly. And like, it was horrendous. It was one of the most horrendous, I could call it to mind right now. And it, it, it was one of the most terrifying moments because he, I didn't know if he was having a stroke, having a heart attack. Luckily, we had a doctor's surgery right behind our offices. So I ran round and said, you've got to help me. My business partner, like the whole left side of his body has collapsed. And she went, call an ambulance immediately. I went, oh, you won't like that. She went, I don't care. You need to get an ambulance there. And from that, I mean, they printed out the longest receipt I'd ever seen in my life of, of what was wrong with him. And he was off work for six months, just rehabilitating wow. so that he could, so he wasn't in the business. And of course, I then start getting the uh, almost like panic attacks, but um, without the, but the right. pain, all the pain that you get with that. I've only ever had one panic attack in my life, um, which was a few months later. And it, I suppose it was just building up. And mm. I just remember... Um, this pain being so overwhelming in my chest area that at about two o'clock in the morning, I, I just, I thought, cause I lived on my own. I didn't have any family or my family yeah. lived in France. They moved over to France or they're down in London way. So I was four hours at least away from them up in the North of England. Um, so there I am on my own. So I drove myself to the hospital mm. and I'm wired up to all the sucky things and the BP BP machine. Cause you can tell I'm not technical whatsoever, but you know, like, all the bright lights and that sterilized smell and it was just overwhelming and all I could think of, I'm looking at this machine and it's beep beep beeping away and I'm looking at it and all I can think about is the pitch that I've got to go and deliver at 10 o'clock that morning and crazy. so so I can't hear anything that the doctor is saying to me I'm just like uh-huh uh-huh and I'm thinking how much longer is this going right. to be I've got to get back like I've got this pitch to do and of course, like that, inevitably, I ended up back in there and again. And ultimately, I ended up in there four times in three and a half months. And the last time I was there. That's a definition of hard-headed, hard-headed, <laughs> by the way, guys. Just, just right. so you fully get that. Don't tell me that. I, you know, <laughs> I was like, you fucking what? <laughs> you said I'm not invincible. Ship? I'll fucking show you. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I just, I, that fourth time, something obviously had changed by that point. I was done. I was cooked. And I just remember the, the doctor pulling me into his little consultant room and just saying to me, Miss Blindell, you have to change what you're doing. I've seen you in here just too often. I've seen you in here four times. This has to be the last time because I cannot guarantee that what you are doing to your body is going to be reversible. You have to change. And he said it and he got up as if he was going to walk away like he did the other times. But something must have snapped for him as well because he turned around and he sat back down, faced me and he said, you're free to make your own choices, but you're not free of the consequences of those choices. Oof. You have to change what you're doing. 
and he just got up and walked. I was like, oh, I've got bloody goosebumps all over me now. And I, was I never like, got goosebumps from that. That was definitely a holy fucker doodles moment. That was a, you know what? Is, is what I'm doing really worth dying for? Is it worth me not having a family for? Like if I died now, would I truly be able to stand at the pearly gates or wherever we go and go, do you know what? I fucking rocked that life. I contributed. I gave my everything and I really made a difference. I made an impact and I mattered. No, I couldn't say it. I couldn't say yes to any of those things. And I walked into the office the next day having cried all night. And what happens is when I've got a really big decision to make, I don't know if this happens to anyone else or I could be just completely weird. I get a cold when I've got a big decision to make. And when I've made the decision, it's almost like my body just releases and I get a cold. It's just, it, it happens every time I've got a big decision, life decision to make. And I got this horrendous cold by the next morning. And I just thought, you know, I'm done. And I, I, I remember parking up and we uh, there was this beautiful windmill in the middle of the city that obviously had a city built around this thing and it wouldn't have been anything there other than this mill at one point most likely but this mill we we converted the back end of this windmill we got architects in and they renovated it and they converted it and we had our logos all over beautiful glass offices and it was amazing and I remember pulling up in the car park looking at that and being fucking disgusted with it because I just looked at it and I thought, I hate everything that that stands for. That is killing me. It is taking my life and I don't want this anymore. I'm done. And I walked in to, to let everybody know that was it. <laughs> I was going. <laughs> and I was so cooked. I was totally, I was so tired. And I didn't realize how exhausted I was. But I went in and I saw my business partner. I said, we, can we have a chat? And he just started to come back to the office at that point. So we go into the boardroom and I said, I'm done. I want out. I'm going. Have it all. Just have it all. And he went, whoa, I wanted to tell you that you have it and I'm done and I don't want this anymore. And I was like, oh, fuck. Now what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> and so... We sat down and said, well, we closed the company then. I mean, this was a multi, multi-million pound company. And we're both at the point of, you know, this baby has grown. We've nurtured it. We've given it absolutely everything. But it's just, we're just not in love with this. This is not the life that we wanted. And we'd created a fucking nightmare for ourselves. We'd created the perfect business for somebody that wanted that business, but it wasn't us. And so we were, we were just going to close it. So we pulled our operations director, Tim, in, who I had a really special relationship with Tim because years before we'd met on a social night out. He was with his friends. I was with my friends. And he happened to do exactly the same thing as me. And so like you and I, blah, 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 that was it. Like we just could, talking, talking, talking. Nobody else had a fucking clue what we were talking about. We were like, <laughs> wow, you did this and you did it. And we were really excited about it. And I was made, I was laid off from my job just before Christmas. Because um, at that time I was doing lots of design in hospitality. So that's really great work all throughout the year. And you get to Christmas, everything's really busy. And then they lay you off because they don't need you until Valentine's Day and Mother's mm. Day and Father's Day. And so typically that industry lays a lot of people off and then they take people on again a few months later, which is pretty naff, really. And I learned the hard way through that. But I remember sitting, crying my eyes out 
on Tim's sofa saying, I can't even afford to buy my family presents. What am I going to do? Uh, and he said to me then, he went, Blinders, that's what he used to call me, uh, <laughs> Blinders, he said, you're going to set up your own company. It's going to be really fucking successful. And when you've got that company set up, I want you to employ me. I'm going to come and work with you and we're just going to fucking rock this. And that, I've got goosebumps again. That <laughs> was a defining moment. And I remember it was about nine months later, I pulled up into his car park of the place that he was working. I called him down. I said, go and give your notice in. We're ready. And, uh, and so he worked his ass off with me building that company for seven years. Mm. And so um, he, we pulled him into the office to let him know we were done. We were going to close the company. And he basically begged us not to do that. Um, he'd go, he'd find the money. He was like, you know, just, can I leave work now? I'll let the team know. I, I need to just go. I'm go. I'll find the money. I'll buy the business from you. And off he goes. And I just said to my business partner, he's worked his tail off. Why don't we do, we were going to leave. We were just going to close this company. Why don't we give him the company? We'll, we've, let's give him a legacy. Tim loves this company. He already manages it. He does it all. We get to walk away with our heads held high, with our integrity, with our respect for ourselves, with our love for ourselves, and with our love for our friends who have become customers and customers who have become friends. Let's give him that legacy and let's walk away with, with just, let's buy our freedom. And, and he wasn't happy about that, which I was really surprised at. I was like, we're going to stop the company anyway. So why? And it was like, he was really resistant to giving the company to someone. I thought that was very strange, but ultimately I got my way. <laughs> and the next day, Tim came in with his head in his hands. Like he obviously hadn't slept and he, he was just, he, there was no way he could find like eight, eight million. <laughs> there was right. no way he was going to find that. You know, I knew what he got paid. So he was just, you know, he was ready to crumble really and we just said tim we're going to give you the business and so on the 30th of september 2013 we exchanged the paperwork and he gave us a pound <laughs> which is the equivalent of about one dollar twenty right to you know i split that with my business partner and that was it and you know the the relief the only person i think i've ever away, met that just oh. sold an eight million dollar business for 60 cents <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I mean, it, it, it literally, uh, but it was the best 60 cents that I have ever fucking spent in my life because I bought my freedom. I bought my creativity back. I bought space in my head and I bought the ability to actually think about what did I want? Cause I didn't have anything. It was a blank canvas then. So I, I exchanged the paperwork and I get my dog. We get in the car. We get on a ferry over to France overnight. I arrive in France on the 1st of October, 2013, having no fucking idea what I was going to do, but I was just going to go and stay in my mum and dad's holiday cottage for six months and rehabilitate. And I can't even begin to tell you how much I grieved over that period of time. I mean, I, I thought it, at first it was like, Oh, thank God. It's a relief. Amazing. And then, I started to really grieve and it was like something or someone had died and I couldn't stop crying and I didn't know, I didn't feel sad, but I couldn't stop. Crying. I remember one day, Oh my God, this is typical of my mum, Right. So my friend was over from, uh, from England visiting and I couldn't stop crying. 
Uh, this is probably about two and a half months into being over in France. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. I've got one meg broadband because I don't want to communicate with the world. I don't want anything to do with business. I don't want to see anyone. I just want to bail out of life for a bit. So I've got no communication really. And so I was like my friends coming over. It was few and far between. I just wanted my space. I didn't want to see anyone. And I remember them coming over and I couldn't stop crying. And they went, I said, I don't know, I can't stop this. I'm going to have to get your mum. So they go and get my mum. <laughs> and my mum comes in, like, I'm fucking 38 at this point, right? It's like I'm a five-year-old kid. Go and get your mum. And uh, so my mum comes in and she's like, oh, Sammy, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> just crying. Bolly she went, guys oh, she said, why are you crying? I don't know. Well, let me get you some chocolate. I don't want chocolate. Let me get you some wine. I don't want wine. Do you want to be left alone? Yes. <laughs> it was okay. And it was just, it must have been so hard for everyone else around me because I think the other thing is as entrepreneurs, we want to fix stuff. And when we've got somebody in front of us who you can't fix, you can't help, what do you do? And I, I, I guess that defining time in my life is why I, fight so hard to make sure that all the businesses that I work with that I support that I mentor people that are part of the things that I'm doing I am absolutely so big on time out having a break go and have fun build adventure into your life do things that, that enable you to be in your creativity and if you feel like you're getting sucked into working hard, working hard, working hard, then you know, you, you've got to let go to grow. You, you, there's some point where you, you have to say to yourself, hang on a minute, I recognize that I'm going down that route again. And I've had a few of those moments, mm -hmm. you know, like I think with a personality that we have, it's very easy for me to get, oh yeah, like that, what a great idea, bang, you know, it's like, whoop, squirrel, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so <laughs> Why do people have to get slapped with a two by four? I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I and I, I ask everybody because a lot of us have gone through this, right? Been wanting to change things up a little bit on how we talk about our sponsors and the people who help make this show great. So this is going to be a little bit different style of commercial. Family Fund has been supporting families of first responders for a number of years. And it all started as a idea of Stacy and Michael McGovern, who are the founders of Blue Family Fund. And it's a really unique story, but instead of me telling you, hear it in Stacy's words of why they started Blue Family Fund. Because I wanted to give back, I wanted to do more. You know, we'd been so successful in our for-profit business that um, we looked at each other and we said, you know, how can we, how can we pay this forward? My husband and I, how, you know, how can we pay it back, pay it forward? My grandfather, when I was growing up, always used to tell me, you know, in life you get what you give. And um, I'm a big believer in that. You know, what you put out there, you can sometimes get back threefold. So we really just wanted to do more. We were already helping police officers, you know, with off-duty work. So how could we help the families? You know, as a family of a police officer, I understand that it's just as hard on the family as it is the actual officer. How could we do more for them um, by providing maybe scholarships for their dependents or financial aid for dependents that want to uh, pursue higher education? 
Stacy is one of the most humble people I know. Uh, their company, Point Blank Safety Services, has employed 200 off-duty police officers for, for several years and success on protecting the freeways, the highways, and everything else has done just amazing things, not only for the state of Texas, but for the lives of the family officers that need additional income as they protect our lives. So for the fact that her and Michael would set up this fund to help the families in times of need, it's really a, a, a beautiful thing. Blue Family Fund is focused on first responders and their families. And recently, Stacy and Michael were able to give a small check to a the family of a fallen police officer. He was a, a husband and a dad, and very touching uh, moment as I watch the video and presentation of the check and you know, I, I wanted to hear from Stacy what it meant to her to be able to do that for that family. It's amazing. Um, the feel I can't I can't even describe the feeling and then you know when you know I don't feel like it's that much money but then when you hand it to them and they they um, break down crying because it's just enough to maybe get them over the next hurdle or obstacle that they've got going on um, it's it's really a great feeling just to be able to to do that and the, the family you're talking about both daughters are actually also firefighters so they're both first responders as well um, so just a total first responder family and um, just to be able to give back to them and, and let them know that there are people that that are going to remember their dad and their husband and there are people that care it's it's a really great feeling One of the things that I think is magical behind the Family Fund is because of the success of Point Blank Safety Services, Stacy and Michael have set up Blue Family Fund to where 100% of the donations go back to the families of first responders. How we're different than maybe some other charities, how we pay all the bills for the, the nonprofit ourselves. So every single dollar donated can actually go directly to a family. So literally 100% of all donations are um, handed forward, you know, to, to either a scholarship or to a, a financial aid for a family that has lost a first responder. Blue Family Fund has been my charity of choice for a number of years now, and it's truly an amazing organization. So if you're a fan of the show, and you like the content we put out there, do me a favor, head over to bluefamilyfund.org and send a little financial love their way. And, and um, although I didn't go the health route, a lot of people that I, that, that I know that have found success went that ended up having health problems and everything else. Um, because we all do this, we work ourselves to the freaking bone. Mm. I, and I just haven't found a good answer for, for why do we have to push ourselves to that point of getting smacked up square upside the head before we make a move? You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. So I wish I could answer that, but I don't have the answer to that either. And I see so many people go through it. Um, it's just, I think some lessons are lessons that we have to learn. Agreed with that. And there are some lessons that we can help people 
to avoid by sharing what we went through. And I wouldn't change a thing about what I've gone through because it means I can be more authentic and um, more in integrity now because for me it was about building a life around the or a business around the life that I wanted whereas it's all throughout my first book I say just because you can doesn't mean you should and that is a mantra that I totally (laughs) keep by now you know just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something and for me that 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 is one of the things that all entrepreneurs really should have as a mantra above their computer so because in, you in don't book, have to work so hard. Yeah. In your book, I, I agree with that. In your book, is that story in your book? Have you ever written that story out? No, I've not. Well, I, there's little tiny bits of it, but I'm going to challenge you to write that story. Out. Yeah, no, I'm going <laughs> to challenge you to totally put that story up because I mean, there's so many of us trying to conquer and change the world, right? I mean, you're not going to get around badass achievers who are without their thought processes. I'm literally going to change the world with this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so many of them are driving themselves straight to an early grave. You know, yeah. I, I, I really think you need to put that story in words, right? Because, mm. you know, challenge on, <laughs> And I know I introduced you to my friend, Laura DeFranco. Yeah. That's your gal. You oh, want to really? write. She got me to write my book in two fucking weeks. She is a beast. <laughs> uh, and just brilliant when it comes to producing books. But, you know, um, so now you're running this badass company from a boat. Three. Uh, I've got three badass companies for somebody who decided they weren't going to do it again. But I'm naming this <laughs> this whole episode. By the way, I sold my eight million dollar company for a dollar twenty, um, <laughs> and it <laughs> saved my life. <laughs> yeah, it literally did save my life because I couldn't go and build businesses the way I was then, and I had to really think about okay, well, what can I do that is genuinely serving, that makes a great income that enables me to travel, have complete freedom and do what I want when I want so that I can settle into a love relationship with a best friend that I can spend the rest of my life with, grow a family and do whatever we want without ever having to look in the bank at, oh God, we've got to save up for that first. And so that's when I got into the secret. So we're talking... (laughs) a long time ago now. And so I I watched the secret and I thought, okay, I'm going to give this vision board stuff a try. And I make this vision board and it was just wild how fast I, I I mean, I must say I didn't, I I did believe in it, but then I, it was a bit fluffy for me, right? Bearing in mind, I'd just spent 12 years around hard ass, you know, facts, figures, numbers. My team couldn't buy a pint of milk without it going on the cash flow, right? Right. Uh, To to go from that to couldn't give a monkey's chuff about money, don't care about it. All I want to do is serve, be my authentic self and make a good income from doing that. But I will get rewarded based on the impact that I make. So that income will follow impact rather than me striving, driving, pushing, shoving, and hustling. Just make sure everybody understands the revenue allows you to do that yes. on a grander scale. Because <laughs> sometimes I think people hear that and they're like, well, you know, I'm doing this so people will, you know, uh, feel good about themselves. Cool. Make some money so a lot yeah, more yeah. people can make feel good about yeah. themselves. 
Um, Marie Diamond from The Secret, she's a really, really dear friend of mine. She's lovely. In fact, she was one of the authors in The Law of Brand Attraction that we published a few months ago. And Marie, like we, we've had a, a good few times together. We've run events together. She's spoken at my events and I've done a lot of stuff where we've been on stage and I help with her promotions and things. And I remember Marie, <laughs> I interviewed her actually on The Confession Show not long ago. And I remember her saying to me, Sammy, you know, the, the thing is that she said, I just set out wanting to serve. I knew that I, her goal was something like 550 million lives. Like she had this massive goal that was given to her with a near death experience. And she woke up and was like, right, well, how am I going to reach 550 million people? And so she just set about doing it. She wasn't thinking about money. And right. when I asked her what her confession was, I said, you know, what's your confession? And this is how it all came out. Cause she said, I was so focused on impact. I knew that I was here to make a difference. I knew that I was here to touch lives and reach as many people as possible. So I started speaking everywhere. I started going and being on people's stages. I started running my own events. I did everything I could to get my business out there as much as I could. She said that I forgot that I'd actually make money. <laughs> she said, cause I was so focused on serving that I forgot that actually the more I serve, the more I sell. So should I ended up with this massive, tax problem <laughs> because she hadn't thought about it and that's a great problem to have really but it's one that you can avoid right, right. <laughs> so so you know hers was in fact quite a lot of the confessions shows the the person behind if you really dig behind what they're saying it's i wish i'd have run my business like a business bob doyle from the secret he said yeah. exactly the same thing i didn't treat my business like a business and that's why and i think mine i didn't treat it like a business and that's a recurring theme. And I think when we don't treat our business like a business, it, it allows for massive gaps of opportunity, but also for us to fall down those gaps. And if we don't fall, then someone's going to. Yeah. And it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> no, I mean, well, that was my fault early on is I stayed employee versus building a business. So, uh. you know, for me to hit rock bottom, it was I had no comprehension of what it meant yeah to mentally run a business. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot of us have got this series of, we really got to get smacked for the fucking two by four so we can learn the lesson we need to learn yeah. so we can move yeah. the fuck on, you know, um, why three businesses now? They are, it, it was really interesting when I kind of started to come through my burnout and literally all I wanted to do was serve because I was thinking to myself one day, like we had a, be a beautiful view in France. I, I do still live part-time in France when we're not locked down. And there's this beautiful view where we live, where all the trees kind of part. And I'm sat on this little hill in the back of our garden. And you can just see for miles and miles. And it's just fields and green and it's beautiful. And there's tiny little church, Gosson Church. I've probably said that in the most Essex London way that I can. Gosson would probably be the way that they would have me say it. And I just remember looking at That's actually where I wrote my books. And I, I just looked at, I was looking at this church and sitting there and thinking, how fucking long are you going to stay in this pity party? Because you've been doing it now for nearly five months. And at some point you've, you've got to do something you might not know what you want to do, but what you've always been really good at is serving people. So why don't you just start asking people how you can help them? 
And that's what I did. And I thought, okay, well, how can I, what can I build that would be able to help millions of people all at the same time? So I don't have to be in a fixed location. I can be wherever I want. And I could, there's no expectation on me. I can just literally, I purely, absolutely purely be giving. And so that's when, with my marketing head on, obviously, I did, did a bit of research to find out, well, what is it that people are looking for so that I show up without having to make a load of effort to do it. So I bought How to Build a Brand, uh, the, the domain names. Um, I went and bought a WordPress theme. And I thought, I'm just going to start blogging. So I started blogging and I created a Facebook group, how to build a brand. And I started asking questions from my personal profile. You know, Hey, I'm, I'm creating a webinar. Actually, I was speaking at someone's event. Um, and I said, you know, I've been asked to speak on how to build a brand. What are some of the things that you want to know about how to build a brand so that I can build this presentation around people just like you who actually have a problem that I can solve. And I, it all happened. It just was accidental, but obviously universal. Something was happening. Something magical was happening because I got, I put that in a few groups and I got, I think, 19 responses in one, 21 responses in another. And so I was collecting problems and I didn't realize I was collecting problems, but I was collecting problems ultimately. And I just set to work on creating videos, little short videos, three or four minutes long saying, Donnie, thank you so much for your question on how do I really position my personal brand in a way that no one can compete with me? Well, if you like Donnie also have that question, I'm going to talk about fame name and I'm going to cover that over the next three minutes, a strategy you can use to create your fame name so that nobody compete with you ever again. Da, 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 da. And I just went into that. And then I'd post that on YouTube and I'd, sh I'd post it in Facebook and I'd share it with Donnie. And Donnie would say, oh my God, you created a video just for me. That's amazing. Share, 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 right, share. Right, right. And I didn't realize how viral that would go because it was, I just set out to serve and <laughs> it was crazy. I had all these people joining my group and um, it got to about 10 weeks in and so I'd set out with a target for myself because I still had this little thing in my head of, you know, I want to serve, but there has to be some kind of financial reward mm -hmm. for this. Right. So I set out thinking, all right, okay, I've built this design agency. I've been there. I've done that. I want someone to do my fucking branding. I want someone to do my fucking website. I want to be the customer for once. And I know that that takes investment and I want to invest properly. I don't want some half-assed fuckwit doing my thing, right? I want someone really, really good doing my stuff. And cause, so it can be badass, as you would say, <laughs> Donnie. And so I set out and I thought I'm going to need about 15,000 pounds. Now, I was used to bringing in millions. So 15,000 pounds wasn't a massive amount. <laughs> but when you're on your own, it's you've left your business, up. you've sold all of your contacts, you're living in France, you, you don't know anyone, you can't contact anybody from the list that you just sold to the business. So like the only thing that I kept from that business, which was an instinctual thing, but I, and I didn't realize how valuable it was at the time, but it, it turned out to be the biggest asset that I could have <laughs> I mean it was worth millions because it has been worth millions to me ever since was my content I walked away with my intellectual property I said you can have everything but the blogs that I've written the articles I've created the magazines I'd published those things they were mine and I kept them 
And so that was content that enabled me to repurpose. Mm. And again, that's when I, I, I was doing repurposing. I'd never heard of repurposing, all these fancy <laughs> words now, but that's when I started repurposing. And I very quickly, within that 12-week period, I collected problems and I solved them. Collected problems, solved them. Give me more of your problems, solved them. By week 10, bearing in mind I'm aiming for this 15,000 pounds, by week 10, I'd solved so many problems, I had enough content for my first book, How to Build a Brand, The Seven Reasons Why Customers Don't Choose You, and how you can change that. So I published this book, get, oh, I think I had something like 11, 1,100 purchases within eight hours. And it naturally, it went straight to number one in some really tough business categories. Uh, but again, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't bothered about any of that. Number one didn't mean more purchases of the book to me. Number one meant more people got help. Right. And so, so <laughs> the first book gets published and then, um, I set out and, and ask people, what is it that they really, really want? Now, I, now I've solved all these problems for you. What's next? What can I do to really help you? Well, what I'd done was I'd built trust currency for 10 weeks. So by the time I'm sitting down and having conversations with people, they're literally, they know, they feel like they know me, they trust me. We're having conversations. They're telling me what they want. And ultimately I launched my first program, which I don't sell anymore because it was time intensive for me, even though I could run it wherever I was, it turned out to be quite time intensive called the brand accelerator program. And I ended up selling the brand accelerator program in that last two weeks of that 12 weeks to 18 people at a thousand pounds a month for six months. So there I am in this holiday cottage paying my mum and dad 50 measly euros a month, which was gonna be begged, stolen and borrowed because I didn't even have that. And now I've got 18 grand a month coming in and I'm like, hang on a minute, I haven't got any team, I've got no expenses, I've, I, I, I've got, how is this possible? No, that must be a fluke. I'm gonna have to do this again. So I set out to do it again the following month, but by that point obviously I had all the momentum of the first 12 weeks so I then started creating products like the crazies I mean I have products coming out my yin yang I've now got over 70 products online that I that are from between these ears of mine they you know and they're helping people and I learned the hard way how not to create mini courses and now I've got over a thousand amazing mini courses online and it just it just started from a place of serving. Well, when you're serving, you're selling. But if you go from the energy of solving problems, you will never create something that someone doesn't want because you're literally solving a problem that someone has and they will pay for it. And I asked them, okay, for me to have solved that problem for you, how much would you be willing to invest for that to have happened in the time period that you want that to happen? And they tell me, and I say, okay, brilliant. All right, now we've got a deal. I'm gonna make that for you. And then I'm going to sell it to all the people in the world who also have that problem. And I never, ever, ever cut my prices when I do that. A lot of people are tempted to say, oh, you're the first person going through it. So let me do it as a mates rates thing. And I, I believe that that's a really big mistake because the first time you create something for someone, they're actually going to get more of your time, more of your resources, mm, more of your contacts. They're going to get more of your energy than you will ever give because you're going to automate it afterwards. And the people that go through it afterwards, they're never going to get that. So never, ever come down on your prices when you create a product is something that I talk to my members about. And, um, you know, I've got this process that I share in brand builders. That's how to get early adopters to pay for your product or your mini course before you've even made it. And you, you know, the thing is you're just solving problems. And as long as you have the integrity in your heart 
that you are going to deliver on that promise, then you're never selling something fraudulently because they're investing in you to create it so that they can move forward and other people around the world just get to benefit too. So uh, it's been quite a process. And, now, I um, love this because journey. <laughs> I, I want people to understand that, that this is what I talk about all the time about creating champions. Because what you did for that first 10 months is create your champions, your super mm -hmm. fans, your, your people. And, and like any of us that are putting out a lot of content, you've got people that are following your story, your brand, your things you're doing. And it doesn't matter whatever the fuck you put out, they're going to buy, right? Yeah. Because they are sold on you, your shit works and everything else. And as people are listening and they're like, fuck, how do I do this myself? Guys, go back and just listen to the last 10 minutes. She just walked you through step-by-step step of yeah. how to do this and create Literally. the champions. And yeah. I learned some other really good, good shizzazzle along the way as well. There was one happy... I think that I come across this stuff because I'm not afraid to like go into something because I'm so busy having fun with it. I don't think about whether it could fail. That never even enters my head. And so it doesn't, it just doesn't fail. And if something doesn't work as good as it could do, we find a way and we tweak it and we keep honing it and then it's mastered, done, move on. And one thing that I found, which was absolutely, I've got to say it, fuck a doodles, amazing, <laughs> was I, and again, another accident, I had 732 people in my How to Build a Brand group at the time. And I remember thinking, you know, I feel like I'm doing a lot of the work here. And, you know, whilst there's a lot of people in here, there's only a few that are really engaging. I need to do something that really boosts them. So, and gets them engaging with each other and not just me encouraging it all the time. So I, I thought, okay, what can I do? And I'd written a book, which I have yet to publish because there were so many things that I needed to publish first. And it's called Daily Branding Tips. And it, it, I just thought, well, if I, I'd already written 180 days worth of these daily branding tips. There's a year's worth of these tips. So it's like little 15 minute things you can do. Pick a page, go and do it on your business. Come back next day, pick a different page, you know, um, that kind of philosophy. And so I picked 30 of those pages and I just turned it into a 30 day challenge. And I had no fucking idea what I was doing at all. I just created this challenge. Every day I went live, told them what to do. They went away and did it. They all came back and reported. I got them all working with each other and getting used to each other. Put some really shit hot prizes in place for the winner. And that group went from 732 people to over three and a half thousand entrepreneurs and brand builders, basically in 30 days. Wow. And at the time it was, it was just hilarious. I, the last five days of this challenge, I was taking 16 entrepreneurs on a masterminding cruise. We left out of New Orleans, or New Orleans, and New Orleans. we went off <laughs> New Orleans and we went off and we had an amazing time. And Bob Doyle from The Secret was one of my speakers. And we're, you know, we're having an amazing, just so much fun while we're masterminding under palm trees and going snorkeling and then coming back, doing some serious business shit and, you know, working on their fame name or whatever. And then off we go and, so we're doing really serious stuff, really fun stuff. And Bob was there to talk about live streaming. And I just remember at the end of this, um, this period that we were all away, it was only seven days, uh, Bob says to me, um, like, Sammy, I'm meant to be here talking about this stuff and you're totally out live streaming me. What's going on? And I told him about this challenge. Anyway, he says, well, you've got to give them something. 
I didn't have anything. I wasn't thinking about membership products or anything like that. Because you've got to give them something. Sammy, you've got like three and a half thousand people now that love what you do. They trust you implicitly. They want to go further. And you've have you've got nothing to give them. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I've just done this for some fun. And he's like, right. This is a big mistake that I made when I went on The Secret. I had no idea that that film would become this like massive movie phenomenon. I wasn't ready for it. You've got to be ready for it. So that, that we're on the last night of the cruise, about 5 a.m. in the morning. My husband's snoring and snuffling next to me. And I'm wide awake thinking, fuck, I've got to create something. <laughs> like, you know, and I, I always say, don't create something unless there's a demand for it. Okay, so uh, let me think about all these problems I've collected over the 30 days. All right, well, what if I create some kind of club? What if I, they've told me, Sammy, we love you. Just giving us something to do. You tell us what to do. We go away and do it. That's all we want you to do. So why don't I just create something like the Brand Builders Club? So I, I, I create the vision, the mission. I put myself through my own seven-step brand Kickstarter process. I go for it. Everybody wakes up. We go. We do our final day of brainstorming and stuff. And then I, at the end, I say, right, everyone, you bugger off. Go snorkel in. Do whatever you want to do. I've got to go up to the beach and make a video. So I go up the beach. I've never made a sales video before in my life. I make probably <laughs> the worst sales video that I've ever made. And I, one of my delegates had this internet account that he said, oh, I'll put it up there for you. So this video just goes off and my team, they set up an, a, a, a link in Infusionsoft and it all happens and I have no idea how it happens. It's all just these amazing people who are magic at creating stuff like that. So I just get back on this cruise and I carry on. <laughs> We're at sea for two days. We get back to New Orleans and my phone lights up as soon as it hits the connection my phone lights up and i've got all these people that have paid for membership and i just that was another holy fucker doodles moment <laughs> like shit this is a goer i'm gonna <laughs> like, i've got to go and create a video <laughs> so like bob had created some good assets with me that we'd give as bonuses for people that signed up so there was already stuff in there waiting for them but that was a simple facebook group and you know i built that my members pay 247 pounds plus that a month which is a month, I think. And we just focus on building brand and what they, I mean, the members in there now, they're collaborating globally, they're joint venturing, they're partnering, they're writing books like our law of brand attraction book. We launched that about eight, nine weeks ago, maybe now 22 of my brand builders, a couple of friends from the secret, just you know, wanting to support vulnerable and at-risk businesses and saying, look, we've got some magic that we've been stirring in the cauldron in brand builders and people need it. Let's pay it forward and give it back. So we all just set to creating a book that we could launch in. I gave them a task of we're going to launch this in 10 days or less. And we actually launched on day eight. And my commitment to them was that, look, the biggest thing that holds anybody back from launching product is perfection. Perfection is poverty and perfection is paralysis. I'm going to be your perfectionist. You just create your magic. Get it out onto a page. I'm going to work with you on your fame name. We're going to create an amazing biography. We're going to do all the things that position you as the market leader of your industry. And you're going to give me your story and you're going to give me a system or a strategy that every single person that reads this book, they can walk away, they can take the page, they can implement what they've learned, and then they can move on. And it all has to be low cost or no cost stuff because through Corona, people were like their businesses were crashing. So, um, so that's what we did. And I was that perfectionist for them. I was really tough, but we got through it and we launched on day eight, 
100% of the proceeds go to a vulnerable and at-risk children's charity um, in the UK for vulnerable and at-risk children because school used to be their safe place and all of a sudden they weren't safe anymore mm. and this charity was massively underfunded. So it's like, how can we support vulnerable and at-risk businesses, vulnerable and at-risk children? Brilliant. You know, these are our change makers of tomorrow. Let's pay it forward. So the stuff that I get involved in now so we've got how to build a brand, which grew and that took me all over the world speaking and, and launching products and making courses. And so how to build a brand, that's that resource. And then from that, Brand Builders Club was born. And Brand Builders Club started as a product within how to build a brand. But quite quickly within the first year, I had people that wanted to invest. I had people that wanted to come on board as ambassadors. And I thought, mm, this is more than a product now. <laughs> yeah. And so I set that up as another business. So that's two of my businesses. And then I came off of the film set. We were recording a, a documentary a couple of years ago called uh, Awakening Giants. And they took 100 global change makers divided us across uh, five locations, flew us to these locations, put us under an insane amount of pressure. Mindfuck in capital letters in neon wouldn't even come close to what they did with us. <laughs> and then they filmed the results, snot bubbles and everything. And, um, and so they, they, I come off set and, um, and my friend Lynn, she was putting me up because we were in San Diego in the first location. And, um, and so she said, oh, like, there's no point in you even trying to get to LA right now because the traffic could be horrendous. I'll drive you across, but let's get something to eat. I know this great little gem store. Like, I'll take you. You'll love it. It has crystals and stuff in it. She knows I'm a little bit woo-woo. So she takes me to this store and I'm looking around. And as I, I didn't really see anything that caught my eye. And as I go to walk out of the store, I see this jewelry tree with a pendant and this drop on it, like a teardrop. And I nudged Lynn and I went, oh my God, it's one drop. And she went, what's one drop? I said, what, how do you not know one drop? Individually, we're one drop. Together, we're the ocean. She said, I've never heard of that, but you've got to buy that fucking drop. <laughs> so I look at this drop. And I'm like, $260. It's a drop. Is it worth it? But where that comes from is when I started my first business back in 2002, after I'd been made redundant, had no experience in business. I start my business and I go on this business course and I can't even remember what this was. It was probably bookkeeping or something that I knew I had to do. And I was going to master this thing. But the first slide on this guy's presentation had that quote, individually, we're one drop together we're the ocean and I didn't hear a word this guy said through his entire presentation because all I could think about was well what's a one drop then and what does it mean to be a one drop and if I were a one drop then what would I need to do and so so can other people be one drops well if I'm a one drop and they're one drops what could we create together and I was just in this whole daydreaming thing and so I made a commitment that I was going to be a one drop so from the very next morning, this is back in 2002, I didn't tell anybody about this until that moment that Lynn said, what's a one drop, right? 18 years later, or however long, yeah, 18 years. And I wake up every morning and I do my blessings and my gratitudes and I say, right, who am I going to be the ripple maker for today? Who is my one drop? And like, who can I pay it forward to? And, and that's all I focus on is how can I be that one drop? So I talked to Lynn about this thing. I buy this necklace everywhere I go, 
there are people are stopping me. Wow, what is that around your neck? I start talking about one drop. I've never heard of one drop. Wow, <laughs> I want one of those chains. Like, where do I get one of those pendants from? I don't know, but you give me your name and email and number. I'll, I'll reach out to you when I find them. <laughs> For nearly a year, I was looking, couldn't find them. And then in January last year, I was speaking at an event in Palm Beach. And I'm there and the, the person running this event, who was one of my Brand Builders Club members, uh, went out there to support her and speak at the event. And she's there and she's saying to everybody, right, you know, what's going to be your give back for this year? What are you creating that's going to create extraordinary money, but it's not going to be for you. It's going to be for someone else. What's your give back? And I love that question. So, but what I didn't know was that they'd all been given homework and they'd read the email and they'd brought scissors and magazines and print stick and this sheet of blank paper <laughs> that she's given me that I'm supposed to fill this thing with. And all I wrote was one drop in the middle. And I thought, because I'm a speaker, she's not going to, you know, all these people have paid to be here. So it's all right. I'll get away with it. So I just sit there enjoying everybody else doing their vision boards. And she bloody calls me out on it, doesn't she? She says, right, come on, Sammy, well, why don't you tell us what you've got on yours? Because you don't look like you've got anything. I said, well, I've just got one, written, one word written on it or two words. And she said, what's that? I said, one drop. And she said, okay, so what's your give back? And I swear I must have looked up because I was thinking it. I don't know whether my eyes gave it away, but I looked up and I went, all right, this is over to you because whatever comes out of my mouth next is not me. And I just started talking and I said, you know, I, I have a dream. What if we could create one million one dropreneurs who each contribute $1 a month so that we can invest in ideas that are stillborn because those people that have these amazing world-changing ideas don't have the money, they don't have the mindset, they don't know the marketing, they don't have the map, they just haven't got a clue how to measure anything. And I know that with the power of our collaborative network, we can stop fighting, start uniting, and we can collaborate instead of compete. I want to live in that world. And if no one else is going to create it, one drop is. And I just came out with this thing. I was like, I'm so fucking glad they recorded it. <laughs> I didn't know what came out of my mouth, right? So I was shocked as shit. I'm stunned. For the, luckily, I wasn't speaking that day because I just walked around in a daze and had all these people coming to me saying, how do I sign up to this thing? And I was like, <laughs> I haven't created it yet. And anyway, it just it, it got to the point where all the people at the event were coming up to me and asking me about this. So now I've got over 500 people on my list that want a pendant. I've got all these like 400 people at this event who will want to be part of OneDrop. I'm like, fuck, I've got to create something. How do I do this? So I'm sat there with my friend, Leisha, who I was staying with her for a few days afterwards. You'll have to forgive the sound if you can hear anything. No, because it's good. I live on a boat. It sounds like a, you're in a tin can when it rains. <laughs> it's good. It's not going through. <laughs> so she says to me, how are you going to make a million of these one drops if you can't even find these bloody pendants anywhere? Because I'd had all these experts try and find them for me. And, I, and she said, doesn't your mum have a glass fusing workshop in France? I said, yes. She said, can't she make all these one drops and you could keep it in the family. And ultimately that's what happened. I called my mum from America. She's in France. I send her pictures of this one drop and I said, you know, actually I like this one drop, but it's not the right shape. And I want it like this. And I want it when it hits the, the light, it needs to glow. It needs your whole heart area just needs to light up. 
And I want everybody to be able to wear this one drop and men can have lapel badges and women can have rings or pendants or whatever. And we can create a whole range of things so that everybody is included. And my mum said, all right, we'll set to work anyway, 11 months, the whole of last year. We were glass fusing every day, too many bubbles in it, not the right shape, not glowing enough. And I mean, that poor woman. But by November, we'd crushed it. It was, it was brilliant. It was ready to produce. We found, and she was breaking her back, making all these things by hand. So we then found um, a, a, this place where they sold us these massive sheets of the right glass that we needed because to fuse it at the temperature we need, oh, we had so many things go wrong, <laughs> explosions and all kinds. <laughs> and, um, and so then we found this person who could laser cut a thousand of these pendants so that they could send them to my mom. She could then put them through the processes and she made all the molds and everything for them. And the whole thing, it's all done by hand. And, um, and so we made our first thousand one drops and uh, we launched it only a few months ago. And you can now go to onedropmovement.com and you can buy your one drop. And we have, do you know the most beautiful thing about it? I spoke, the last event I spoke at before we went into COVID was this big event in, just outside of London. And I didn't even really talk about it. I just mentioned one drop from the stage because I was talking about business and how when you've got something that's passionate, do that. Right? Right. Don't try and sell something for the sake of it because it's not easy to create your own product. You, you heard that. Like, it was two years making that right. come to life. The pendant you see around my neck now, that's two years of blood, sweat, and tears. That's not easy to do. Right. And, um, and so I, I, I was talking about that from the stage and um, I sold a thousand dollars in one drops from people just queuing up to say, I need one of those. I want to be a one dropreneur. How do I get involved? And it's like, you know, when you create something that you're mm. so in love with and it just ignites, the kindling has boomed and, the trainers left the station and that's where we are with one drop now. And I got this beautiful message from a, one of the guys that was sat in the front row of that event came up to me and he said, I want to buy one of those for my wife. Cause she's been the one drop for me. I want to buy one of those for her. Mm. I, he said, can you talk me through the practice? And so I talked him through what I do, the ritual every day. Um, and the next day I was on the train coming back from London to the boat and, uh, and I get this message on Facebook Messenger and he's written this beautiful note about how she's been the one drop for him, how they've built, you know, brought up two amazing sons and they're now one drops. And I was crying my freaking eyes out reading this <laughs> thinking, how amazing is it that there's me thinking one droppreneurs who collaboratively can do some great shit to save the planet and do some really good stuff that makes a difference whilst paying it forward and giving it back and yet other people are now buying them for other people saying thank you for being the one drop for me and i never foresaw that right. and that guy has since come to me and said i've got thirty-two thousand parents and schools because he he works with children on my books, he said, we need to be creating one droppreneurs at school level. And I was like, okay, if you know how to do that, I'm, I'm a great creator, but if you've got the market, let's do it. So 30% of each of the sales goes to really good causes and good charities. Cause I always like to have that payback, that give back. 
50% goes to my mum, which covers her costs for making them. And the other 20% just goes straight back into the business to create the new ranges, to create new products, to do more research and development. We've got the t-shirts are launching soon as well. So people don't realize that actually behind a business like that, there needs to be an operation. It yeah. can't just, yeah. yeah, you can have fun coming up with a concept, but ultimately if you're going to really make an impact and make a difference and really matter, you've got to systemize yourself as early as possible. You've got to automate whatever you can as fast as possible. And you've got to get somebody in to support you with your business to do that. Not necessarily employed. I don't employ anyone. All of my businesses, I outsource everything. Same. But Same. just get somebody to help you and then another person to help you. You won't, you won't believe that you can afford it and you can never afford it when you do it. But you make it happen and actually those people enable you to be able to do more. So... I think that's one of my biggest lessons is just ask for help and, you know, keep people of influence. We want to bloody help you. Yes. I always think that people are, you know, they're going to be off put in or oh, they're going to say no. And actually touch wood, people just don't say no. Cause if you've got it in your heart and you've got a good cause and you really care about making a difference, why would they say no? Unless they don't have the same values as you. Yeah, just beautiful That's girl. Big lessons, big big lessons. So they're my three businesses in a long story short. <laughs> no, I That's love what it. I run from I... the boat, <laughs> the brand builders boat. <laughs> I, I was enthralled. I was enthralled. So so well fucking done. You know, it, one thing I've learned in business is the phrase that we don't hear enough. Sammy, I'm fucking proud of you. Well done. Right. Aww, that means I a mean, lot. Because. As we run and gun, you know, we don't get to hear that enough. So one of the things I try and do, and, and seriously, your give back, how you're touching the world, how you're impacting everything is fucking beautiful. Well done. Well done. Thank you. It feels good. I wouldn't good. want to do things any other way. And I think just, just having that freedom as well to be able to do that. I, what I found is that when I'm, when I'm doing something because I have to, I don't enjoy it as much and therefore I don't give it as much of my commitment. And so I just stopped saying no, sort of started saying no to things that I, you know, and stopped saying yes. And that's, that's definitely a muscle that we've got to learn yeah. how to pump that muscle. You've got to go to the, there's two gyms you've got to go to. You've got to go to the asking for help gym. Don't try and do it on your own. There's no need to. Right. And you've got to learn to say no. You've got to build that no muscle. Because we say yes because we want to please. And, you know, all of us on this call right now, we're all people of service. So you want to say yes. But if you say yes, you, you can do what I did before and give from the saucer. So if you imagine you've got your teacup, your posh little London tea right. and cucumber sandwiches, you've got your <laughs> cup of tea and you've got your little saucer, stop giving from the saucer before you filled your cup. Because mm. oh, you, you'll just be, you, won't, you can't do it for a long time. And actually you end up not helping anyone and so like we we went when we got this boat a few weeks after we went and bought this um it's only like a dinghy about three and a half feet long and um with a 15 horsepower engine on it so that we could just go and do donuts and fucking scream and cry like kids and you know just have a giggle and greg did that with me yesterday i was so busy we're just launching our seven step brand kickstarter mini course and because I only designed that for my Brand Builders Club members and so many people need it. We said, okay, I'm going to recreate it, but for everybody can get access to it. So I was absolutely into creating the content, creating the emails. And Greg came down, he went, right, what have you got left to do? I said, loads. He went, 
what are you working on now? An email. Brilliant. Once you've finished that, I'm taking you out on JJ because our boat's called Juniper. So we call it <laughs> Juniper Junior. Because I'm taking you out on JJ and we're just going to blow some steam. And that's what we did. And we just went up and down the river and we just had some fun. And you've just got to have that. Whatever your JJ is, you've just got to go do it. Whether it's walking the dogs, you know, go and have some fun, shooting, whatever you want to do. But it's got to be something that is a change. It has to be a complete state change. And it has to make you laugh. If it doesn't make you laugh and there's no joy in it, then you kind of come back and you're in the same state that you were in before. Mm -hmm. So do something that makes you fucking howl with laughter. Even if that's just to say fuck a doodles like a hundred times, <laughs> just do it and <laughs> I love it. just I do love something. It. Well, well, girl, how does everybody get in touch with you? So if well, they want to find out more, yeah. they want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? You can go to onedropmovement.com and uh, contact me through there or sammyblindell.com you can contact me through there and they're probably the best ways if you go to sammyblindell.com you'll find there's some free resources on the site we're just redesigning all of that site right now or come and join me in my how to build a brand facebook group i think the the key thing is is just let's start a relationship you know it's, it's, there's no hard sale i don't want anybody to be working with me that doesn't want to be there it's got to be a, a place where there's mutual respect massive amounts of integrity and just an absolute passion for what you do and bringing those two things together just like you and i donnie absolutely so um so yeah that's it. important to me that we do that so yeah go and i'll, I'll look forward to meeting y'all absolutely y'all listen to you say y'all <laughs> i'm getting that in there of course that was like one of the best words i had learned while i was over <laughs> talking brand builders club in america it was like everyone said y'all i don't know that i've ever I heard y'all in 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 your accent before that's kind of fun <laughs> <laughs> all my kids do it they're just they're all like y'all hey y'all <laughs> i love fun. it donnie well, you are a, a change maker you're a superstar oh, and um you. yeah you, you are literally a success champion and we've got to get you even further out into the world my friend oh we got some big things coming we got some big <laughs> things coming and i've got some collaboration ideas with you so but here's how i like to wrap up each show and i do stump some people so you stand by for this okay if you were going to leave the champions around the world who listen to this show with a quote, a phrase, a saying, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're stacked up against it. What's that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. Be the ripple you want to see in the world. Fucking beautiful girl. Sammy, I can't tell you. This has been awesome. I appreciate you. Glad to call you a friend. Keep fucking rocking and kicking ass and fucking lot more fuckadoodles lot more fuckadoodles <laughs> have a happy fuckadoodles day everyone <laughs> that's awesome <laughs>
she is is awesome and i enjoyed every minute of that guys come hang out for more conversations in our facebook group head on over to facebook up in the search bar type in success champions click on groups and you'll find us we'll be right there over a thousand small business owners from around the world who are collectively rising networking and growing their business you will not be disappointed highest engagement of any group that i've been around and it is absolutely amazing and awesome so come hang out with a bunch of badass business owners in the success champions facebook group and share this out with somebody who needs to hear these words uh and and people that need to be inspired touched and and learn something new about how to grow their business talk soon guys love you later Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.